Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to another Wisco Fanatics Wednesday. I am rolling solo today. Jake is getting in some family time, so I am riding solo talking about the Brewers today. Um, going to be going through the Brewers-Cubs finale from last Wednesday, talking about the Padres series and then their first game with the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, before I start, I just want to toss out a few things that are coming up for um, for Jake and I, for the show, and for just some of the stuff that we're doing um, so, uh, first things first, today, probably shortly after the show, um, there will be a new blog post for the Wisco Confidential blog that Jake, myself, and two of our friends, Simon and Bryant, are undertaking. Um, we're just going to be putting out more content and just looking to kind of dig deeper on some of the stuff with our favorite teams. Um, Simon and Bryant are going to help us focus on the Packers. Um, so we're all looking at two players we're excited for, one on offense, one on defense, um, with that, on July 1st, we are going to do our first Friday night Packers show. So with the 2022 season, we are going to do Packers shows on Friday nights. Simon and Bryant are going to be a part of that with us as well. And then not this Friday, but the following Friday, Jake and I are doing our next bonus episode. Uh, we are doing bad sports commentators. Uh, it'll be an interesting one because the, uh, the shock jock clickbait thing is one of the things that... Um, kind of led us into beginning this show in the first place and we're just going to kind of highlight some of that stuff and basically call it out for being what it is and that's basically human clickbait um but um those are the things we got coming up we got the blog post coming up today simon and bryant joining us for our first Packers show on july 1st and then jake and i doing the bonus episode next friday so i'm going to jump in i'm going to start with the brewers cubs finale last wednesday um that game concluded an 11-game road trip in 10 days. Um, yeah, Jake's obviously slacking. <laughs> that's, I mean, he could have done the show earlier. I offered to do it yesterday, but that's okay. Um, get some family time in. Um, so the Brewers versus Kyle Hendricks. I feel like they either like rock him or they super struggle every time they face Kyle Hendricks. Um, and then Jason Alexander making his debut. Um, so basically the first run that came was off of an Omar Narvaez error. Um, and then, like I said last week with Rowdy Telez sending him to home plate, but by putting pressure on the defense, it can force them into some unforced errors. I should force them into unforced. Um, anyways, it can force the defense into some errors and you put the pressure on the defense to have to make plays. The throw obviously trickled into the outfield. 
and the Cubs scored a run off of it. Um, so Jason Alexander, not the Seinfeld famed actor, um, came into this game with a 63.3% ground ball rate. And that's what he did. He generated a ton of ground balls. I believe the number was 14. Um, top of the third, Jace Peterson had a triple and Colton Wong singled him in. Alexander, after the, after the initial inning, I think he gave up three walks in the first inning. Um, he really settled in really nicely, finished with seven innings pitched, three earned or three runs, only two of them earned. Uh, did have three walks, so it was two walks in the first inning. I did have that written down. Um, 97 pitches to get through seven innings. That is, that's very efficient, especially then all that's what a, a guy with ground ball outs can do. Um, Colton Wong, bottom of the eighth inning, made a great diving play. Devin Williams uh, made the pickoff attempt after the challenge, it was overturned, and the Brewers won the challenge. Um, now, the thing that I wanted to address mostly with this game was I saw a lot of people complaining about why didn't Yelich try to make a throw into home plate on the last out of the game, um, or the last play of the game, I should say. Um, basically, Yelich was equal distance from the infield as he was from the outfield, and while Yelich does have a gold glove in his career, and I do think he actually still has a pretty good glove, uh, he doesn't have the greatest arm. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't Rowdy Telez at third base. It was Jason Hayward, who's got some pretty good speed. Um, Yelich was ranging to his left. Like, all those factors, like, even if Yelich gets a, a running start and a crow hop, he's probably still not throwing out Jason Hayward. Um, so, I mean, basically just cut the guy some slack. I get that he's making a lot of money, but, you know, give, give credit to the Cubs for doing what they needed to do to get that win. Um, so, that game concluded 11 games in 10 days, um, a long road trip, and then getting into the Padres series. Um, Adrian Hauser facing the Padres for the second time in two series. They just faced them in San Diego. Um, his sinker was working really effectively. He actually mentioned that after the game. Um, Brewers facing left-handed pitching has been an Achilles heel. Um, I think that's going to be one of the things that David Stearns looks to address. Um at the trade deadline or even even before then um, because it's been such an issue is his hitting against left-handed pitching. Um, they had seven strikeouts in the first four innings. Um, it's kind of weird seeing Keston Hira starting in left field. That was a little bit different. And, you know, the thing with Keston Hira is the Brewers are in a really tough spot with him. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to have an article actually coming out about Keston Hira soon. Um, it's his left-handed versus right-handed pitching splits are just insane. Uh, I tweeted it out yesterday that Keston Hira had the same OPS versus right-handed batters as Aaron judge. Like just, and then you look at his right-handed versus left-handed pitching splits. It's insane. He's batting, I think 116 against lefties and batting 316 against righties like his splits are so skewed and you usually don't see that from a right-handed batter against right-handed pitching and then you see him struggle so much against left-handed pitching um it's it's a really strange thing um Craig Council admitted it that it's putting them in a tough spot to find fits for Keston Hira um with Colton Wong potentially being injured that might find him a spot at second base it's not today but it did yesterday um today Luis Urias is starting at second base uh, but speaking of Luis Urias, he got on base for his 27th consecutive game in game one of <clears throat> that Padres series. 
Um, Adrian Hauser, top of the fourth inning, gets the bases loaded, gets out of it with no runs. That's a big thing for Adrian Hauser to get out of that. Um, bases loaded in the bottom of the fifth for the Brewers. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon gets an RBI fielder's choice. And then Luis Urias grounds into a double play. You know, that happens. Bases loaded, nobody out, and you get one run. Basically, I'd rather – it's kind of weird to say it, but I'd rather have Luis Urias – ground into a double play by making contact and putting the ball in play than to just go up there and just strike out. At least when you put the ball in play, it gives you a chance to move the base runners, um, gives you a chance for a fielder to make an error. When you're striking out, that's, it just literally does nothing for you um, unless there's a pass ball or something, but that's an extenuating circumstance. Um, then getting into – this is rough. Keston Hero and Christian Yelich each struck out three times in this game. Um, kind of rough, but Brent Suter came in in relief for Adrian Hauser. Gets the bases loaded with nobody out. Oh, no, sorry. Um, yeah. First batter, the Brent Suter faces. Really soft contact. Drops in between the first baseman and the right fielder. Um, and then Alfaro hit a really hard home run. Padres were up 5-1 to one going into the ninth inning of this one. Um after Peter Strzelecki made his debut, he got the bases loaded with one out, gave up one run. Um, and then extra base Jace tied the game. Nobody out. Um, got the bases loaded. Jace Peterson is a triple off the right center field wall. Um, and then Andrew McCutcheon, who had been 0 for 32, was due for a big hit. Um, he'd been hitting the ball hard and just victim to some really good defense. And then he finally got the walk-off hit and came through with that. Um, after the Colton or uh, Kesson here got a single, Colton Wong got hit by a pitch, Victor Caratini got hit by a pitch, followed by the Jace Peterson triple and the Andrew McCutcheon walk-off single. Um, then getting into the the less fun, so basically got to talk about it. So starting with game two, kicks off the four-game losing streak that the Brewers are currently on. Um, Corbin Burns versus Joe Musgrove is like a Cy Young head-to-head, um, kind of a one of the rare clunkers for Corbin Burns. They're not going to happen often, but they are going to happen. Not every pitcher is perfect 100% of the time. Obviously, Josh Hader is a perfect example. I'm going to talk about him more later. Um, Burns got in trouble with two outs right away, um, gave up a run in the first inning. Uh, Musgrove... Like I said, he's been pitching really well. He might even be a front runner for Cy Young at this point. Um, got some some friendly calls, I'll say, in the beginning of this game. And Luis Urias jammed his thumb on his first at-bat and didn't return to the game, breaking his on-base streak at 27. Um, kind of a bummer, but um, it is what it is. It wasn't going to last forever. Um, Burns, his off-speed stuff still working really well. His cutter just wasn't quite there. Um like Lauer last week, um, Burns has earned occasionally having a bad game. Um, like I said, Corbin Burns is not immune to having a bad game once in a while, and he's earned the he's earned giving him some slack. Um, Luke Barker made his debut, got a great strikeout. Um, Christian Yelich, like I mentioned with the the Cubs finale, that I do think he still has a really good glove, just not the best arm. Um, but um, Luke Barker in his debut, two innings pitch, no runs, no hits. So it's good to see that. Um, it's really good to see Trevor Kelly pitch an inning in a third scoreless. Um, 
Colton Wong, double off the wall, broke the no-hitter in the bottom of the eighth. Um, Colton Wong and Joe Musgrove tipped their caps to each other because, you know, it's it's respect when you're playing great baseball. And it's respect when great baseball is played against you. So Colton Wong knows Joe Musgrove has been mowing through the lineup. And Joe Musgrove knows Colton Wong just broke his no-hitter. So um, just respect there. But Corbin Burns, a rare, a rare off game. Eight hits, five earned runs, two walks, six strikeouts. Um, six of the eight base runners that Corbin Burns allowed um, after two outs, um, five of them came to score. Um, all five runs that Corbin Burns gave up were from base runners that were allowed after two outs. Um, so that's just a finishing innings thing. That's something that I'm sure they looked at and learned from afterwards. Um, but I give more credit to the Padres hitters than I give to discredit to Corbin Burns. You know, it's not like after this game that people should be like, oh, trade Corbin Burns. Corbin Burns sucks. Like, it's nothing like that. The Padres are a really good team. Taking two or three from the Padres in San Diego was a really good feat for the Brewers. Um, it's just kind of unfortunate that it came back around in Milwaukee that the Padres ended up taking three or four. Um, game three of that series, facing another left-handed pitcher. Um, the Brewers had their left-handed pitcher, Aaron Ashby, going. Um, Ashby struck out the first. He had five strikeouts in the first two innings. Um, two hard-hit balls by Colton Wong and Tyrone Taylor in the top of the first inning. or Sorry, bottom of the first inning. Um, just hit hard right at fielders. There's not much you can do about that. Just like in game two, Brent Suter comes in and gets a super soft fly ball that ends up falling for a hit. It, it happens. Um, I do got to say, though, if you don't and you are on Twitter, follow Pitching Ninja because it's really fun to watch just nasty pitches and stuff. Um, Aaron Ashby had a pitch in this game that he threw to Voight, and it was like a two-seam fastball that went like this and then went up and curved away from the right-handed batter. Just a nasty pitch. I should, I should post it on the page is what I should do. Um, Keston Hira, two more strikeouts against left-handed pitching. He ended up with four total in the game. Um, Kenzie Gore had four or ten total. Um, so the Brewers, <clears throat> like I said, putting the ball in play, like it's it's better than striking out. Um, <clears throat> that's that's Jake and I talked about it last week that the Brewers got to bring the strikeouts down. Um, and it seemed like Jake Cronenworth kind of had Aaron Ashby's number. Uh, three of the four runs that were driven in against Ashby came from Cronenworth. Um, but outside of the home run and the two um, lefties hitting to the opposite field against Aaron Ashby, he did look pretty good um, using all of his pitches. He's got like a massive arsenal of pitches, Ashby does. Um, he did give up six hits, four earned runs in six innings. He did have nine strikeouts. Looking on the bright side of this one, Roddy Tellez had two hits and a walk, and Trevor got Miguel Sanchez and Trevor Kelly all through one scoreless inning pitched with zero hits. And then Trevor got is the next one to go on the injured list. It just they're just racking up for the Brewers. Um, I think I said it last week and the week before that it feels like the Brewers are just like one more injury and they're going to start having trouble competing. Um, Thankfully, they got Hunter Renfro back yesterday. Luis Urias is back in the lineup, and Willie Adamas is activated today. So they're getting some reinforcements. Um, Brandon Woodruff isn't eligible to be activated for another week yet. Um, so I do think we're probably going to see one more Jason Alexander start, but I'm going to talk more about him later. Um, going into game four of the Padres series, 
Eric Lower, two strikeouts in the first inning. Colton Wong had a leadoff home run. Um, Jace Peterson showing some vulnerability to some high fastballs. He's been striking out on a few of those. Um, next inning makes a great diving play right in front of right in front of the Padres dugout and Manny Machado and everyone. Um, throws from his knees and gets the runner at first base. That might be the Wisco Fanatics play of the week next week. Um, top of the fifth, um, get a leadoff double and then some soft contact, and Cronenworth gets an RBI single. Um, yeah, Dan, there's only one today. <laughs> um, and then Jace Peterson makes another great defensive play, um, making a big jump to grab a, a line drive hit right over him. Um, Colton Long <clears throat> tied the, the game with the second home run of the day, um, and then that was the fifth multi-home run game of his career. Um Basically, it came down to top of the 10th inning. Um, Trevor got beat by Cronenworth, and Cronenworth was the hot bat for the at least the last two games of the series. Um, seeing it with Goldschmidt, it feels like every series there's one guy that just kind of has the Brewers' number. Um, hopefully, that's not a trend that develops, but, um, you know, it is what it is. Josh Hader, top of the ninth. Oh, hi from Greece again. Welcome back. Um, top of the ninth, Josh Hader tied the longest streak of scoreless appearances at 40. Um, just a bummer that he couldn't break the streak. He just had to, uh, just had to tie it. Couldn't break it. Um, but that being said, he does hold some records. I am going to talk about those. So I will get to that. Um, Andrew McCutcheon, it was good to see him. Like I said, it was good to see him break out. Um, he needed that definitely in a big way. Uh, three for five. Pablo Reyes had two hits in this game. And, you know, the Brewers finished. What's up, Isaac? The Brewers finished 18 games in 17 days with injuries to Brandon Woodruff, Hunter Renfro, Willie Adamas, Luis Urias, Trevor Gott, Omar Narvaez on the COVID list, and having to call up a guy from um, from AAA, or not AAA, single A, uh, the Timber Rattlers. Um, thankfully they were close, so they were able to get an emergency catcher in. Um, let's see. I think that was it. Um, including four major league debuts, which is Jason Alexander, Luke Barker, Peter Strzelecki, and Ethan Small during those 18 games. And to come out of that, including nine, um, 11 of those games on the road, and to finish that stretch 9-9, nine and nine, like, I don't think you could ask for a lot more considering all of those circumstances, all of those injuries, four debuts. I mean, 11 game road trip to come out of that nine and nine. Um, I think the Brewers could have done a lot worse. And I'm sure, I'm sure even just saying that there's people that are like, Oh, the Brewers only won nine games. Whatever. The thing it is, and the matter, the fact of the matter is people are always going to find something to complain about. Even when the Brewers win, or even when the Packers win, or when the Bucks win, or you know whatever it is, whatever the situation is, people will find a reason to complain. Um, Jake and I, we want to move away from that. Um, you know, as opposed to you know finding reasons to complain, we want to find a reason to celebrate. You know, obviously we're not going to celebrate losses, but say, take the third game of that Padres series for example. Um, Ashby did give up four runs. His pitches themselves still looked good. 
the stuff that he's working looks good. Um, Trevor got Miguel Sanchez and Trevor Kelly um, coming in and not giving up any runs, not giving up any hits. That is silver lining type stuff. Um, that's the kind of stuff that Jake and I want to focus on. Not like, oh my God, the Brewers lost again. What are they going to do? The Cardinals are going to pass them in the standings, which the Cardinals lost last night too. So the Brewers are still a half game up. Um, but yes, Isaac, exactly. Slumps happen in baseball. You can't win them all. It's just like what I said when it came to the Brewer or the Bucks in the playoffs. And <clears throat> you know, if you say a team shoots thirty-five percent on threes on average. Sometimes they're going to shoot 15. Sometimes they're going to shoot 55. The Brewers are going to win, say, 95 games. They're going to lose four in a row sometimes. This is actually their first streak of four losses. They've only lost three in a row one other time before this. The Brewers are going to go on winning streaks at some point. What Jake and I would ask of you is that during the four-game losing streak, we're not trading Yelich, trading Burns, trading Woodruff, trading this person, trading that person, firing Council, firing Stearns, like, calm down. Now on the flip side of that, if the Brewers rip off, say a 10 game winning streak, we're not going to be like Brewers are winning the world series locked and loaded guarantee it. Can't tell me otherwise. Like um, when it comes to riding the roller coasters of the highs and lows, can't ride too high and you can't ride too low. Uh, I would, I would encourage you if you had to pick one or the other, I would say to ride too high because riding too low, it just, it doesn't benefit you in any way at all to to just you know focus so intently on the negatives of what are what is going on especially for something as trivial as sports and i get it like that's what we're doing here but that negativity is just going to drag you down in everything much you know even if you just focus on how it makes you feel about your favorite team much less how it makes you feel as a person it's just going to drag you down drain your energy um and just take stuff away from you. Jake, and I want to encourage you to put that positivity in, even during a negative result. Um, you know, it's not, winning is not the only thing that brings fun into sports. Obviously, it's a lot more fun when you win, and that is the goal is to win. But uh, this is something I say to Packers fans, uh, because it happens often, unfortunately, is losing in the playoffs. Like, we know the Packers have struggled in the playoffs. It's been 10 years since the Brewers, or the, I keep saying Brewers, uh, since the Packers won a Super Bowl. But are you going to sit back and tell me that you didn't have any fun during all of the regular seasons since then? The fun is in the journey as well, not just in the end result. If you put all of your eggs into the basket of the end result, then why even watch the regular season? Why have the ups and downs of the regular season? That is all part of the ride. That's exactly what Simon just said, 100%. The ride of the season is the fun part of watching sports. If you put all of your energy into, I'm only going to be happy if my team wins a championship, that's the only way I'm going to be happy, or I'm only going to be happy if they pick up the free agents, make all the trades, make the hirings or the firings that I want, that's the only way I'm going to be happy. And you're not going to have fun just actually watching the games, talking to people that enjoy watching the games as well, whether they be fans of the same team as you or fans of rival teams. Believe it or not, I'm friends with with Vikings fans. I know some Vikings fans that I'm actually friends with. Um, one of the guys that watches our show all the time, James, is a Saints fan. Um, you know, Brad said, if everything smelled like roses in sports, we wouldn't have sports radio talk shows. You know, we probably would, but, you know, they'd probably be – 
<laughs> they'd probably be a little more fluffy. We probably wouldn't have things like Undisputed and and First Things First and all those sports debate shows, um, which, you know, I think people could probably do a little less without because, like I said, I do believe people like Skip Bayless are just human clickbait, basically. But um, we'll get to that next Friday when we do our, our bad commentator bonus episode. But um, getting into the Phillies' first game of this, um, the first game of the Phillies series from last night, um, you know, it is a bummer that it ended the way that it did, but um, first inning, Yelich reached on an infield single. Andrew McCutcheon hit a double to bring him in, got to third base on the throw. Um, Pablo Reyes, top of the first inning. Um, this would be probably be another candidate for the Wisco Fanatics play of the week next week. Um, ground ball, barehanded play, throw to first. Um, top of the second inning, Alexander worked around a, a one-out triple. Got out with no inning or no runs in the inning. Colton Long did end up leaving this inning um, with discomfort that he said stemmed from a hit by pitch back during the Cubs series. Um, he said he'd been kind of playing through it because he knew some other guys were injured, like Mike Brasso, who was on the injured list. Um, Colton Long came in, um, or I should say, Keston Hira came in for Colton Long. Um, and it got a little rocky, had a couple throwing errors, but um, didn't eventually uh, end up hurting them. Um, Luis Urias made a great diving play on the top of the third inning um, after a pair of sack flies brought in a run for the Phillies. Um, get to the bottom of the fourth, Christian Yelich gets another single, another double by Rowdy Telez brings him in. Then, um, then it just became kind of a revolving door of relief pitchers. So Hobie Milner came in to pitch relief for Joe Alexander, Joe Alexander, Jason Alexander. I don't want to talk about Joe Alexander. That's a draft pick that did not work out well for the Bucks. Jason Alexander came in five innings pitched one earned run, seven hits, two walks. Um, basically being a guy that gives up a lot of ground balls. Some of those are going to find holes. So seeing Jason Alexander give up seven hits doesn't freak me out just because that's the nature of the way that he pitches. Um, Colby Milner came in, pitched a scoreless sixth, only given up one earned run over the last nine appearances, um, over eight and a third innings. Unfortunately, the one run that he did give up um, led to a Padres win, but it is what it is. <clears throat> um, Brad Boxberger came in, pitched a scoreless seventh inning, a one-two-three inning. Devin Williams came in to pitch the eighth, a scoreless one-two-three eighth. And then it's kind of a bummer, too. Um, so... Hader finally gets cracked after setting all the records, which I haven't pulled up. Um, the 40 straight consecutive scoreless appearances, 38 scoreless innings, and 32 consecutive saves are all the longest active streaks in Major League Baseball. Um, the 40 consecutive scoreless appearances tied a record um, by Zach Plesac, or no, Ryan Presley. Ryan Presley was the was the record holder. He now tied that. Unfortunately, he didn't break that one. Um, Hater is a power pitcher. He throws the ball hard. The ball is going to come off hard off the bat. Um, that's what happened on the first home run. The second home run was just a slider. Um, that just got hit out. He kind of Hater said it after the game. I'm going to talk a little bit about what Josh Hader said. Um, he said it after the game. Just got to tip your cap. The fastball that he threw, he said he mislocated. So that one was an, a mistake by Josh Hader. He admitted it. He knew it. Um, 
Josh Hader's not perfect, just like anybody else. Um, get to the bottom of the ninth inning, get a leadoff walk, followed by two loud flyouts by Renfro and Rowdy. Um, Jace Peterson draws a nine pitch at bat, draws another walk. Um, and then uh, Pablo Reyes got down 0-2 really quick and was called out on a check swing. Um, felt, felt like kind of a cheap way to end the game, but it is what it is. Um, like I said, we knew Josh Hader wasn't perfect. Um, just sucks that his first hiccup came during a losing streak. Um, I know the losing streak has continued, unfortunately, but the Brewers play tonight and have a chance to break it. Um, I did like what I saw from Adam McKelvey, who tweeted out after uh, the third game of that Padres series. So I mentioned that Christian Yelich struck out three times in that game, um, and he addressed a lot of fans saying, why not move Christian Yelich down? Why not move Christian Yelich down? Me personally, I've been an advocate of moving him up um, because he still gets on base. Um, and then, surprise, surprise, today Christian Yelich is leading off. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um, but Adam McKelvey's response to that was um, he's in the 85th percentile in barrel rate and the 96th percentile for hard hit percentage. That means he's in the top 4% of batters in Major League Baseball that hit the ball hard. And he's in the top 15% of barrel rate. That's mean just hitting the, the ball on the barrel of the bat. And the, you know, the even more important question is who do you put in that spot anyways besides Christian Yelich? Like if you like, you really want to put Jace Peterson batting third instead of Christian Yelich. You know, I can understand that Jace Peterson's having a pretty solid season after getting a slow start, but I mean, putting guys in different spots doesn't automatically equate to success. Or um, putting Christian Yelich at the bottom of the lineup, say batting him seventh with Victor Caratini and Lorenzo Cain behind him, you think he's going to see a lot of quality pitches? Probably not. He might draw some walks, but he does that in the three-hole anyways. So moving moving Christian Yelich down just never really made sense to me. And like I said, if anything, move him up. And now tonight he's leading off, so we'll see what happens with that. Um, so I did mention I did mention Keston here. Uh, Colton Long admitted his struggles against left-handed pitching. I just said Colton Long. I meant Craig Council. Um, admitted Keston Hira's struggling against left-handed pitching. Um, it makes for some tough choices, makes for a tougher fit is what um, Greg Council actually said. Um, what it ends up meaning for Keston Hira, I don't know. I don't know how long the Brewers kind of wait for him to come around. Um, he was so good when he came out as a rookie in 2019, 2020. I basically toss out because I don't really consider that a season because they played 60 games. But um, And then last year, up and down, up and down. I did mention in the Brewers primer that his mom was dealing with cancer last season, so that you know that's a factor in, in people's mental health. But um, this season, it's still it's still not where they'd like him to be. Um, even with the DH, like if if his bat was good enough, like that's all you'd need is to have him DH. But then you got to put him in the field once in a while, and there's just no really great position to put him at because he struggles defensively, um, and he like the Brewers as a team, struggle so mightily against left-handed pitching. Like Craig Council said, it puts them in a tough spot to try to find a fit for them. Um, so it is – we'll see what happens with Keston Hira. Basically just going to have to wait and see. Um, going into tonight's game, 
Um, it is Luis Urias starting at second base. Willie Adonis is back at shortstop. Jace Peterson is playing third base, so it'll be interesting to see um, if Keston here is kept out of the lineup. I'm not sure. I didn't look when Mike Brasso was eligible to be activated off the injured list. Um, but going into my power pair from last week, it is kind of tough after a four-game losing streak to find a power pair. Um, that being said, I want to give the new guy, Jason Alexander, some love in the power pair section. Um, he pitched last night, and he pitched in the Cubs finale. 12 total innings, give up three earned runs. Um, he's the first Brewer to debut with a quality start since Brandon Woodruff. Um, his debut, seven innings pitch, only two earned runs. Um, I want to toss this out there now just as a possible prediction. Um, I, he's going to make one more start um, probably on Monday against Washington. Um, <clears throat> when Brandon Woodruff comes back, um, maybe the Brewers go with a six-man rotation, keep Jason Alexander in there, or they go to a five-man rotation. Um, when Freddie Peralta comes back, maybe having Jason Alexander in the bullpen as a long relief pitcher, um, and especially with as many ground balls as he gets, if you get into a situation where you need a double play, you bring Jason Alexander in, you feel pretty good about your chances to get a ground ball and get out of an inning. So I like the idea of potentially holding on to Jason Alexander as a bullpen piece, as a guy who can give you, say, three to four innings if need be, if a guy has you know a high pitch count or just starts off a game rough or, God forbid, there's another injury and you need somebody to give you three, four, five innings out of the bullpen, Jason Alexander could be that guy. Or if you get into a really tough spot where you need a ground ball, Jason Alexander could be that guy too. So I kind of like the idea of keeping him around um, even when the pitchers start to get healthy. <clears throat> For position players, I went with Andrew McCutcheon. I wanted to give him some love after breaking out of his really long slump. Um, he said he was going to get through it. He tweeted it out. He said, get through me or stick with me. I'm going to get through it. Um, and people did. People supported McCutcheon. Then he had the walk-off hit. Then he had the three-for-five game. Um, in the last week, he's batting six for 20. That's a 300 batting average. Um, and he's been hitting the ball hard. He just had some hits taken away by some really good defense. So um, I wanted to give Andrew McCutcheon some credit for that. Um, looking at what's next for the Brewers, I did mention already that William Adonis is activated. Christian Yelich is leading off tonight. Luis Arias is batting cleanup, so I know that's interesting to see Luis Arias batting cleanup. Um, the Brewers have two more games with the Phillies. They have tonight, and they have tomorrow afternoon. Um, Adrian Hauser is pitching tonight. Corbin Burns is pitching tomorrow. Um, and then they start a three-game road trip at Washington, and then three games at at the New York Mets, and then after that, I think they're at Cincinnati, but we'll talk about that more next week. Um, for Friday, it's going to be Aaron Ashby. Saturday is going to be Eric Lauer. Um, and then I do think it's going to be Jason Alexander to pitch on Monday. Um, oh, Alexander on Sunday. That's I messed it up. Okay, so looking at after that what is what I wanted to talk about with Josh Hader so like I said you knew he wasn't going to be perfect forever nobody's perfect forever um, Josh Hader went a long time without giving up any runs um, without giving up any scoring the 40 inning or the 40 appearances scoreless um, the 38 consecutive scoreless innings um, the 30 or the 28 consecutive saves um, just that much I mean, dominance, really. There's really no other word for it. 
Um, it wasn't going to last forever. It wasn't going to go the rest of his career without giving up a run. But listening to Josh Hader talk about after the game, um, he broke it down basically to just trying to win games inning by inning. Um, you know, just trying to win game inning by inning. And, um, you know, when it comes down to it, calm down, move forward. And that's the way that baseball needs to be approached um, more than any other sport. In my opinion, baseball needs to be approached as you look at it. Um, Josh Hader said they, you know, he'll, he'll focus on it today. And then tomorrow is a new day. So baseball more than any other sport needs to have that mindset of today is today. Tomorrow's tomorrow. What happened yesterday does not matter because they have a next game the next day. It's not like football where you have another week until you play again. Baseball, there's games every single day. So baseball, more than anything else, has to be a game of, of moving forward. Um, so the reflection is whether you win or lose, it needs to be over quickly for the players. We as fans should do the same. If the Brewers lost yesterday, they play again today. They could win today. They didn't win yesterday, but yesterday is over, so they could win today. Um, now, what I wanted to say with this is we can take something away from this, the way that Josh Hader talks about it. So you might have had a bad day today, but tomorrow's a new day. It's a really cliche thing to say that tomorrow's a new day. You know, I know, I understand. But breaking it down, you know, as a sports metaphor, as inning by inning, if you say, I'm going to take today hour by hour, if you know you're going to have a long day, just take it one hour at a time. If you can't take it an hour at a time, take it a minute at a time and just keep moving forward like that. Josh Hader said it. Just keep moving forward. Just win the next inning. Win your next hour. And just keep moving forward that way. So I liked I liked hearing Josh Hader talk like that because I felt like I could take something away from that. Um, so sports and life meeting together, um, whether it's a win or a loss, just keep moving forward. That's all any of us can do. Um Jake will be back with me next week, and it'll probably end up being a longer show because then I'll have Jake talking. But um, like I said, <clears throat> we have more things coming up soon. Um, today, the we uh, the Wisco Confidential article about um, players that we are excited for, that'll be coming out today. Um, and then we are going to be doing our first Friday night Packer episode on July 1st. And next Friday night, we will be doing a bonus episode, Jake and I, on Bad Sports Commentators. So we will have that coming up next week. Um, I think that's it. I mean, losing streaks happen. They're going to happen. Don't freak out. The Brewers are still nine games over 500. they They're still leading the division by a half a game. Nobody's going 162-0. and 0. Don't ride the roller coaster too low. We'll see you next week. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.